Good morning, Seacoast. Good. Great to see everybody. Uh, you know, there are no tears in heaven, uh, but there are a lot in this room. I can already see them. Uh, and as you can probably tell by the song, and uh, we're, we're going to be talking about grief today and uh, mourning, and we'll get to that here in just a few moments. Before we do, I want to welcome all of you who are here in Mount Pleasant. I also want to welcome all of you who are joining us online, maybe at one of our locations. We're glad you guys are here as well. Shout out to the West Ashley campus this weekend. I hope, yeah, let's give it up for West Ashley campus. Holding down the other side of 526. I hope you guys are doing well. And I love Pastor Chris and Abby and the whole team. I actually saw Paul Francisco uh, did uh, Tears in Heaven there, and it was amazing. And I know in all of our locations, but uh, I wanted to address something before we get going. Some of you may have heard my dad, our founding pastor, Greg, talk some this week that he was excited to be doing the message this week. And uh, so some of you are like, well, why are you up again? Um, And I've got a multiple choice uh, for you on why I'm here and dad is not. Number one, he did the message run through this week and it was so bad that we had to pull him. (laughs) It's possible. He won the lottery and is vacationing in an exotic paradise watching online somewhere, maybe. Or last year at Easter, he covered for me because I had COVID and some people don't know how to bury a a grudge. And so he's getting me back this week by calling me yesterday to tell me that he had COVID. And so he's watching online while I get to preach for him. And that's actually what happened. And so uh, dad is uh, at home with COVID, talked to him this morning. Uh, He sounds pretty lousy, uh, but it's so far just kind of your cold flu-like symptoms. And we're praying and believing that he will recover from that. And so I have the uh, privilege, which I do count it as a privilege, uh, anytime I get a chance to share with you to to bring a word. I want to pray for him. But before we do that, um, I want to let you know that He did send me his notes, and so here's how you'll know today whether what I'm preaching is mine or his. The stuff that's really good, I added that. The stuff that falls flat was his, and so we're going to work through that, Uh, but uh, I'm I'm going to preach through some of his notes and some of what I feel like God God told me in the time that I've had to study as well, but let's pray before we get into it, and uh, just pray for for him and everybody else. Uh, some of you have loved ones who are struggling and sick right now, and I'm, I'm praying for them as well. Father, we thank you uh, for my dad, for our founding pastor. And we just pray, Lord, that um, this sickness would move through him quickly and that he would be healed. Uh, and we pray, Lord, for no long-term effects of that. We pray, Lord, for health. And I pray the same thing for others. Uh, I know there are others that I've talked to already this morning in this room whose family is struggling. We pray for dads and moms and kids who are sick uh, with COVID or anything else. And we just bind the enemy and we pray your healing power over them. We've seen you heal so many times in our midst and we pray that you would do it again. And God, we just give ourselves to you today. Uh, We know that uh, what is a surprise to us is not a surprise to you. And so you've known from the beginning of time that I would be standing here today and delivering this message. And as always, nobody wants to hear from me. Uh, We want to hear from you. And uh, we want to hear from heaven. And so I pray that you would speak to us this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, hey, we're in a series right now called How to Be Happy. How to Be Happy. And we're not just looking at how to be happy in terms of, you know, uh, what, what pop culture tells us or what the medical experts tell us about happiness. We're, we're basing the series on a message that Jesus gave in the New Testament, one of the most famous sermons that has ever been preached the Sermon on the Mount, and he began it with uh, an introduction called the Beatitudes, where he talks through eight different scenarios 
in which he would start by saying, blessed are the blank. And we talked last week how the word blessed actually translates to the word happy. Uh, but, but again, the, the happiness that Jesus was talking about was a lot different than momentary circumstantial happiness. It was a deep-seated joy that we could experience. And so uh, most of us would be surprised to see today's topic in a series on how to be happy. Uh, I wouldn't have probably chosen it innately. I wouldn't have said, hey, here's what I want to talk about. Let's talk about grieving. But we're going to follow Jesus in this. And I believe that if we'll track with him, we'll find uh, that, that actually what he said was exactly what we need to hear. And so um, he, he says, blessed are those. And last week, by the way, blessed are the are happy are those who are poor in spirit. We found that if we would be utterly dependent on Jesus, that's our starting point for finding happiness. If you missed that, I'd encourage you to go back and pick it up. But this week, <clears throat> on the surface, it's one of the most frustrating scriptures in the Bible. Uh, again, most of us wouldn't have said, hey, I'd love to, to do a weekend on this in January. Kind of everybody's back to church. Let's talk about this topic. It's actually an oxymoron. You guys know what an oxymoron is? It's when you use two words together that actually don't seem to fit at all, or if two phrases, you put them together, and they don't actually work at all. Like, there's one that we do here in Charleston a lot. I don't know in Asheville what you think about it, but jumbo shrimp. Choose one, but you, you can't be both. Uh, jumbo shrimp, right? Uh, another one, free rent. That doesn't go together. It's either free or it's rent, but it, you know, those two words seem like they, they're an oxymoron. They don't fit together. Here's one for you. Minor crisis. When dad called me yesterday and said, hey, I've got a minor crisis. No, that's not a minor crisis. That's a crisis. You know, you know, those words don't go together. There's another one. Easy, easy. Hey, I, I think that whatever side of, of the equation you're on, right? It's been hard to figure out what kind of guidance is coming from there. But uh, oxymorons, things that don't seem to go well together. And, and, and this one, this verse, feels like an oxymoron. Let's look at it together in Matthew 5, 4. By the way, shout out to all of our medical professionals. We do love you. And um, we know that this has been a crazy, crazy season. But, but Matthew 5, 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. I would say the good news translation is even more offensive when you read it this way. It says, happy are those who mourn. Happy are those who mourn. God will comfort them. And I love the God will comfort them part, but that just does, happy and mourning doesn't make sense. It's almost like Jesus is saying, hey, happy morning to you. Like you're going through hard stuff. When you lose in life, you're really blessed. You know, when you're grieving... And, and, and I know in a room like this and at our campuses and online, there's all kinds of different perspectives on grief that are represented in the room together. There, there are some of us that are here today, and we have recently lost a loved one, somebody that, that we love, a parent, a, a spouse, a child. Maybe you've lost a, a pet or you've lost a friend. Some of us are, are mourning today because of a divorce or changes in a relationship, including friendships. Some of us are here and we're mourning a change in our health or the health of a loved one. There's a diagnosis that caught us by surprise and, and we're mourning that. Some of us are grieving unmet expectations. You know, in this last two years, we've, we've seen expectations that we had that, 
that were unmet. Maybe it was a vacation that you were hoping to take or a graduation or a prom or whatever that might have been, and it didn't happen. And, and it's not a loss of a loved one, but it's still a loss, and we're mourning, we're grieving that loss. And if Jesus is saying, hey, when you're grieving the loss of any of these things, you're really blessed and you should be happy, on its surface, I'm like, I don't know that I can jive with that. I don't know that, that I can get, get, get on board. How could Jesus ever claim that these are blessings when it feels as though they bring about nothing but hopelessness and sadness? Well, I believe and I know that if we'll really dig into what Jesus was saying, we'll see that that's not what he was saying at all. He wasn't saying, hey, always put a smile on and act like things are okay when they're not. He's not saying, hey, bury your pain, bury your grief. He's saying that if we'll actually go through this process of mourning and allow God to do in us what he wants to do in us when we walk through these seasons, that we can come out on the other side with a sense of, of blessing that, again, is deeper than any circumstance that we would ever walk through. And so we're going to jump into that today. And here's an admission from me up front. While we all suffer grief and mourning, many of you in this room have lost more than I have. And I acknowledge that. I've grieved over miscarriages in my own relationship with my wife. I've, I've grieved over the loss of loved ones. I've grieved over the loss of pets. I've grieved over the loss of deep friends. Lisa and I walked through the loss of her sister in a plane crash several years ago. And we walked through the trauma and the grief of that. And more recently, walked through the loss of a very good friend, Pastor Darren Patrick, who many of you knew uh, was our teaching pastor. But for me, he was a lot more than that. He was my friend. He was a leadership coach in my life. And I'll never forget the trauma of that initial phone call of like, just, wow, how could that be? And then the confusion that came as we were trying to sort out what actually happened and why. And then the anger and the sadness and a range of emotions that, that came and still surface to this day when, when I allow myself to go there. And so I have experienced loss. We've all experienced loss. But what today's not going to be is, is us comparing our losses to each other. It's us together collectively as a family going, what do we do when we're walking through those situations? And, and you may be here today and you're not experiencing loss. And I celebrate that with you. But the reality is not everybody in this room will experience the same level of success in our lives, but everyone in this room will experience loss. It's just a part of the fallen world that we live in. And so you may not need it today, but I would encourage you to, to grab a hold of it for a time where you might need it and grab a hold of it to help others who will walk through loss as well. And, you know, I remember after Darren passed away, I remember having the privilege, a friend of a friend connected me with Dr. Henry Cloud, who is a Christian therapist. He's written many great books, some on loss, and, and he was able to spend some time with me and also spend time with our, our staff team and just helping us process it. And here's what I remember learning from him. Biggest thing was that, man, everybody grieves differently. There's all different types of grief, and, and there's a lot that we could get into today that I'm not going to get into. All of the, the psychology and the therapy and a lot of great stuff. That, that we can learn together. But what I want to do is kind of look at the basics of grief and, and how we can walk through it together. We're going to study together an Old Testament character as a case study as we look at how do we walk through grief? How do we do this in a healthy way? And how do we say what Jesus said? Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. So three thoughts for us. What, what should I do when I'm sad? Number one, embrace your grief. Embrace 
your grief. You know, so often we learn either by our family of origin or even sometimes well-meaning Christians that we want to kind of deal with our grief with a series of cliches that are supposed to help make us feel better when the reality is there's a season in our grief where there is no other way but through it. You know, you don't, you're not going to just feel better. You're going to have to embrace it. And as we look at this psalm in Psalm 42, which uh, some believe was David, others believe it wasn't. I don't think it really matters. What we know is that it was somebody who was walking through grief. And what I love about the Psalms is that, that they don't sugarcoat the grief. It's not a series of cliches. We go on a journey with people as they're walking through lament and grief, and we see a picture and a pathway uh, towards healing as we do it. And so let's jump in. Psalms 42, verses 1 through 4. It says, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When I can go, when can I go and meet with God? You almost see this sense of desperation of, of almost wanting to give up. When can I go? When can I finally be face to face with God? He says, my tears have been my food day and night. While people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. And what he's saying is my tears are my companion day and night. I, I, when I think about, when I remember what I used to be able to do, it brings about sadness in me. And that's why I tend to believe this may have been David in one of those seasons of his life where he was banished from Jerusalem. It could have been when Saul was chasing him and persecuting him. And he remembered the days when he was living in the palace with the king and now he's not there. It could have been when he walked through the betrayal of his son Absalom who staged a revolt against him and, and who literally kicked him out of his own kingdom that he was king over. And he, he won the hearts of the people by going behind his dad's back. It could have been a number of those scenarios, but he's like, man, tears are my companion day and night. You know, a lot of our perspectives, we've grown up learning that tears are actually a sign of weakness. You know, it's not okay, especially as young men. Some of us have been taught, you know, hey, men don't cry. Tears are a sign of, of weakness. I actually watched a, a, a church, a friend of mine last week. They were walking through a very difficult transition in their church. And, and the new pastor walked up and he was crying and, and he, he stopped himself and he said, I, wanna, I want to make sure you know these tears aren't a sign of weakness. And, and listen, this isn't a criticism of him. He did a great job. But I thought, how sad is that, that we would have to explain in a moment where we should be sad when our body is doing what God created it to do. It's, it's just not true. Tears don't show a sign of weakness. In fact, oftentimes tears are a sign of strength. But we've been taught, suck it up, move on, bury those emotions. But when we do that, grief becomes a potentially infected wound inside of us. See, the psalmist embraces his grief. He's not afraid of it. He says, you know what? I've been crying in the morning and I've been crying at night. It seems like tears are my constant companion. I can't stop remembering how it used to be. I can't stop thinking about back when things were going way, the way that I, I wanted them to. See, he realizes that his tears aren't a sign of weakness. They're a sign of strength. I love Psalm 147. It's just a couple of chapters later in the Bible. 
And, and it says, he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. That's what God does. He's like a surgeon. When we're wounded emotionally, he comes in and he knows the nature of our wound. He knows how to fix our wound and he comes in and he heals it. But when we, when we bury our emotions and we refuse to just embrace the process of grief, we end up getting that wound infected. And, and many of us know if you, if you had a tumor inside of you and there was a surgeon who knew how to remove it, we would embrace that process as painful as it might be to go, you know what? I need help. And God is saying, hey, I am near to the brokenhearted. And if you'll embrace the process of grief, listen, that doesn't mean that you act like you want to be here. Nobody that walks through grief is happy that they're there. But, but we have to be willing to go, you know what? I didn't choose this path. I don't want this path, but I'm going to embrace where I am today. I'm not going to bury my head in the sand. I'm not going to act like I've got it figured out. I'm going to choose to do this in a healthy way because yes, everybody grieves differently. And there've been people that I've known and, and walked through grief with that. I thought, Oh, I don't think they're handling this well, but the reality is they were, their personality was just designed as such. So there's not one singular pathway, but often we know, and the people around us know when we're grieving in unhealthy ways, see healthy grief has a function for us. It allows us as survivors to identify, acknowledge, feel the pain, and then reintegrate our lives back into society. It, 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 healthy grief allows us to acknowledge the reality of, of death and loss. And I've been at many funerals where I didn't want to acknowledge it, but just walking through that moment, the gravity of loss is an important part of us moving through it. And we feel the pain. We, we adjust our expectations, that relationship that used to be here in person, and now it's a memory. Again, none of us want to walk through it, but when we do it healthy, it actually serves purpose for us as we walk through our grief. But unhealthy grief prolongs our suffering, interrupts our normal activities, prevents our life from being lived to the fullest. And there are signs of that, and you know them. We medicate it. Sometimes it's with alcohol or drugs or sex or adventure or, you know, shopping, spending, gambling. There are a lot of different ways that in unhealthy ways, we would, we would start to medicate our grief. And if you're walking through grief and any of those are present, this isn't condemnation. It's just going, hey, recognize that you're probably trying to cover some things up and maybe it's time to embrace our grief. Some people don't give themselves time to heal, just kind of rush back into life as normal. Some people isolate themselves from others who want to support them. And that's an unhealthy form of grief. You know, um, we talk a lot about Israel and we go to Israel. I, I'll never forget going to Israel about three, four years ago. And one of the guides there who is no longer a guide, he's a friend. His name is Elon, and he's been a part of many of our trips to Israel. But we got there. He was in the middle of grieving the loss of his mom. Uh, and he began to explain to us the process that they go through. And, and I don't tell you this because we should do the same exact thing, but in Jewish culture, they actually have a process that everybody walks through because they know how important it is to grieve in a healthy way. And, and the first seven days, we got there on about day 25 of his, after his, the loss of his mom. The first seven days, they do what's called sitting Shiva, sitting Shiva. And for seven days, they don't go back to work. Uh, they don't go back to life as normal. They spend their waking days sitting in a room, a, a chair, it's lower to the ground, 
and friends and family come from, from all over the place just to sit with them. And it's not a place where they're, you know, offering up solutions. A preacher doesn't get up and preach on how to work through it. It's just sitting in their loss. Being with loved ones, Elam would tell me, he was like, man, there were people that came that I hadn't seen in years that surprised me that they came, but their presence was just a part of, of me grieving. And, and he was with us on day 30. And, and after sitting Shiva for seven days in the Jewish culture, the next 23 days, it's actually called Shaloshim. And I'm probably saying that wrong, but you know what? Mark Turnage, who is uh, our guide when we're there, he'll tell me after service because he's here with us this weekend uh, that I got it wrong. But Shaloshim, something like that. And, and here's the idea. It's 30 days where you're slowly reintegrating back into society. You may go back to your job. You may go back to doing some of the things that you normally do, but you're still acknowledging grief. You don't cut your hair. You don't shave your beard. I kind of didn't shave my beard today just to identify with that. But, but so you're kind of working back. And what they would say is the, the moon cycle is, is 30 days. And so give yourself 30 days not to be done grieving. Obviously, that takes sometimes years. And, and in a lot of ways, we never fully complete that cycle. But man, to acknowledge that in that 30 days, you're going to just be in a season where you're acknowledging, I am grieving right now, and that's okay. And, and we walk through it. And, and then at day 30, and we were with him on day 30, he had to leave us, go back, and they did a service, a celebration uh, for, for his mother's life. And so they do a, a memorial at that point. And then yearly, they would do memorials as well. And the reason I tell you that is because it's just a culture that they embrace grief. And again, in America, we don't really have a lot of traditions customs and kind of we all do our own thing. And I'm not suggesting that we all do the same thing, but I'm suggesting that we all choose to just embrace that grief and not move through it too quickly. So we have, we have a lot to learn about how to mourn in healthy ways. If you're here today and you are mourning, you're mourning the loss of a loved one. I want to encourage you. We, we want to help you with that. We really do. We've got a course called Grief Share that all of our campuses have access to. Some of us do that in person. Some of us do it digitally online. And I just want to encourage you. I've never met somebody who went to Grief Share and was excited about it, right? I mean, you, nobody wants, no, it's not like bucket list material here. Nobody wants to do it. But I'm telling you, I've never met somebody who went through Grief Share and regretted it because it just kind of helps you to embrace your grief. It helps you wherever you are. And some of you may go, well, I haven't lost. My loss was, was decades ago. Well, you know what? If you're still stuck there, which some of us are, come, be a part of it. It's going to be helpful. We want to walk with you through that. And some of you, maybe you're not experiencing grief right now, but you are experiencing isolation. You're not doing life together with a community. And man, we're doing Connect Weekend here and at all of our campuses. And we just want to make it as easy as possible for you to make friends in this church for you to, to do community, because you may not need it right now, but we're all going to go through tough stuff. And why not take a step today that just says, you know what? I'm choosing to get in community, biblical community. One thing we know is that I love it in the Jewish culture. I love it in scripture. We were never meant to grieve alone. And so wherever you are today, take a step, get connected, text connect to 320-320. We would love to help you process and walk through grief in a healthy way. So number one, I need to embrace our grief. Number two, keep track of your blessings. Keep track of your blessings. Look what the psalmist did as we continue to read. 
He says, my soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of the Hermon. From Mount Mizar, by, by day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. What, what he's saying is earlier, he said, by day and by night, my tears are always with me. And he's choosing to go, you know what else is with me by day and by night? Is the presence of my God. And so I'm not lightening my grief. I mean, his soul is downcast, but he's introducing gratitude into his grief. And man, that can be so hard to do when we're hurting. But when we choose to be grateful, even in spite of our circumstances, we introduce gratitude and our grief. And the Bible, as well as a lot of therapists today, would tell you gratitude is a really big deal. It's a really big deal. And so, so what, what happens when we get into our grief is our, our narrative in our head gets imbalanced. And we start to think only about the negative things that are happening to us. I remember when we moved to Charleston as a kid, I was seven years old. We moved. That in and of itself was something that I had to grieve, this move. We didn't know anybody here. Two weeks after we get to Charleston, our family's in a horrific car accident on 526, rear-ended by a semi-truck going 55 miles an hour. It's devastating for our family. My brother was in a coma uh, for, for weeks. My sister had just tons of stitches and my grandpa broke his back and neck. And I was the only one in the family that actually didn't get seriously injured, which was a blessing, but it was also hard because I was the only one that remembered it all. And I'm new to this place. I don't know a soul and, and my life has been flipped upside down and my parents are as they should be caring for my siblings and those who were hurt worse. And I'm hanging out with people that I've never met before, trying to process my own grief. I remember I cried the first 30 days of my school year. Every day at school, cried through school because I didn't know if my, my brother was going to make it. And it was grief. And then, you know, we're here, Hurricane Hugo hits and just destroys our town. And then a year or two later, my sister is in a jet ski accident and nearly loses her life and grandma dies. And it's just a series. And in my own mind, I look back on that season and all I can remember is the bad stuff. But then I began to process that with some counsel and even with my family and, and was able to see, oh, you know what else happened during that season? We actually had somebody in the church, a builder, who got our family into a home that we never would have been able to get into apart from his generosity. We began to, to establish a church and build friendships, many of which still are alive and active today. We had a church community that, that walked us through tragedy, and part of that tragedy is what led to our church connecting and growing and being healthy in its foundation. And, and that, that doesn't lessen those tragedies. It's just that we have, to, we have to change the narrative a little bit. We have to introduce gratitude into the narrative, and that's what the psalmist does. And so what would that look like for you to introduce just gratitude? You know, are you preoccupied with the losses while ignoring the blessings that God has given you in your life? Have you ever noticed that bad, thing, bad, th bad things come in threes? Has anybody ever noticed that? It's like, man, if, if two things go wrong, you're like, uh-oh, here it comes. Here comes that next thing. There's an English proverb that says, if an unfortunate event has already occurred twice, a third unfortunate event is likely to occur. That's encouraging, isn't it? <laughs> Another English proverb, misfortune never comes Alone, bad things, bad situations always come in groups or streaks. They never come one at a time. Why is that? Why is that the case? Did you know that scientists have actually studied this? 
They found out that the reason why bad things come in threes, they don't. They don't come in threes. That's just us. It's, it's called confirmation bias. It's, uh, the, the word is actually apophenia, but it's when our brain reinforces a narrative that we think is true when scientifically it's not true at all. We just kind of choose to remember the bad things. And confirmation bias is our tendency to cherry pick information that confirms our beliefs and conveniently overlooks the examples that don't. Are any of you exercising confirmation bias right now? You're, you're, you're only thinking about the things that, that are negative. We need to reintroduce gratitude to our grief. You know, how do we fight confirmation bias? We, we keep track of our blessings. We keep track of our blessings. Some of us need regular reminders. For some of us, the most spiritual thing we could do today is take out your phone, open up your calendar, and set up an appointment for you in about two or three days. And the appointment is write down three things that you're grateful for. And then set that thing to recur about every three or four days, at least once a week. Because it'll force us to just be grateful and to go, you know what? Again, I'm not minimizing the pain. I'm just saying, I don't care. Maybe the only thing you've got right now is that I'm still drawing breath. I'm still here. Write it down. Choose to look at that as gratitude. You know, even me, when, when dad called yesterday, it was like, man, this isn't how I was planning on spending my weekend. I was going to be here, but, but I wasn't going to be writing a message yesterday. I had other things I wanted to do. It's easy to go, yeah, uh, you know, no. Are you kidding me? What, a get, what, a, what an honor to be given an opportunity to, to teach God's word. You know, and and that's, that's the kind of games we have to fight up here. That's the kind of battle that has to be, be won here. And so we just got to introduce gratitude. Gratitude builds our, uh, it's like a muscle. We have, to, we have to practice it to build that muscle, to get in good shape with our gratitude. A lot we could say about that. But, but I want to encourage you that if you want to grieve well, embrace your grief, Keep track of your blessings. And then the last thought for us, third thought, trust God with the outcome. Trust God with the outcome. Let's go back to Psalms 42 verses 11. It says, why my soul are you downcast? He's still struggling. Why so disturbed within me? And then he, he actually talks to himself here. <laughs> he says, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. He, he starts off, why am I hurting so much? Why am I struggling so much? But then he chooses to, to speak truth to himself. We got to get better at this church. We got to get better at self-talk. A lot of us have a self-narrative that goes on in our brain that is not aligned with God's truth. It's not aligned with, it's, it's, it's worst case scenario thinking. But David shows us a picture of what it looks like to be hurting, but to go, you know what? I'm still gonna put my trust in God. Come on, David. Come on, David. Look at what God has done for you. Come on, Josh. I know things aren't what I thought they were gonna be, but come on. I'm yet I'm still gonna put my trust in God. Why am I so sad? Why am I not sleeping at night? A lot of times it's this shift that happened in David's mind. It's that we think about ourselves as the ones who are ultimately in control of our lives. And if that's true, gosh, I know there are days I have no reason for hope. But David says, yeah, my circumstances aren't where I thought they were going to be. I'm down. 
but I'm not the one ultimately in charge of my life. God is. I'm surrendering to him. I'm going to let this difficulty take me to a place where I'm reminding myself. And for some of us, maybe it's not a reminder. Maybe it's something we need to do for the first time. To say, you know what? One of the advantages of, of grief is that it's going to help me realize that, yeah, this world is broken. You know, we go through loss. There's a scripture in Ecclesiastes that says God has planted eternity in the human heart, that God designed us to live forever. And we go through loss. It's a reminder that this world is broken, but it's also a reminder that God sent Jesus into this broken world to live in this broken world, to live a sinless life and to overcome, to die on a cross for, for our sin so that that we could be reconciled to God so that you don't have to wonder, is God mad at me? Is God punishing me? Is this great? No, no, no. Jesus paid while we were still sinners. Before I did the first thing right, God already paid the price for my sin. All I have to do is receive it and, and accept it and go, you know what, Jesus? I don't understand all there is to know about the gospel, about faith, and, and I'm gonna get on that journey to learn it, but, but at, the, at the base of it, I know that you died a death so that I wouldn't have to, that you broke the chains of evil in my life so that I could live in freedom of those chains. And ultimately you overcame death so that I can have hope. And, and sometimes our grief is what it takes to get to this point of going, you know what? This world is broken, I need a savior. Mourning invites us also to receive God's care. You know, I'll close again with the same scripture. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. You know, when I look back on the loss that I've experienced personally, sometimes you'll hear people say, you know, I would go through all of that all over again. I don't, I don't really love that phrase because the reality is to get Lisa's sister back, I, I, I'd, I'd take that. To get Darren back, I'd, I'd prefer that. But, but here's what I think that we're trying to say when we say that. What we're trying to say is, on the other side of that grief, I've experienced the comfort of God. I know God in such a way that honestly could only be experienced through the loss, through mourning. That doesn't mean that I would do it. But man, if I could know God the way that I know God now and have my loved one back, yes, I would. But what we're trying to say is that, man, there is a blessing. There is a, a comfort. There is a connection that we can have with God that only comes through the valley of the shadow of death. It only comes when we experience hard things and yet choose to still trust in him. And that's my prayer for us today. If you're here today and you're experiencing grief, my prayer is that in just a supernatural way that God would meet us in our grief and that we would be able to say, you know what? Again, this isn't minimizing the grief. Jesus didn't say, hey, you're not gonna be sad. No, we'll say, as I walked through that, as I embraced my grief, chose to find some blessings in the midst of it and ultimately experience the comfort of God, I can truly say I'm blessed. That there's a joy inside of me that, that doesn't depend on circumstances. It depends on the presence of a loving God. That's my prayer for each of us. Would you bow your head and close your eyes as we pray together?
God, only you, only you could know every dynamic in this room. Lord, there are some of us that are, we're, we're here today and it's the wounds are fresh and we're walking through some grief and God, we need you. We need you. There are some of us, God, and we've, we've dealt with loss maybe years ago, maybe decades ago. But we still feel stuck there. God, we need you. We need you. God, there are some of us, and we're not dealing with grief right now. But Lord, we are acknowledging that we need you. We are utterly dependent on you. And only you, God, can meet each of us in our unique ways with exactly what we need today. So Lord, we're saying we surrender to you. God, some of us for the first time, we're saying we want to trust you. We don't know what all that looks like, but we just want to trust you. We want to have that kind of relationship with you, Lord, that's gone through the fire, but we can still say, I'm choosing to trust you and to believe in you. God, I pray, Lord, there are some that the enemy is trying to snatch their faith in the midst of the trial that they're going through. And Jesus, like you prayed for Peter, I, my prayer for you is that your faith would not fail in the midst of the trials. I pray that our faith would not fail, but our faith would be strengthened as we experience your grace and your love and your comfort for us. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to invite you to respond to God. And like I said, there's all kinds of different needs in the room. And there's only one God that can meet them. And that's what I love about response time. Maybe you're new to Seacoast. You haven't experienced this. It's a little different than what you did at your church growing up. But all we're doing is giving some room for us to go, you know what, God, what are you saying to me today? And what do you want me to do about it? Some of us are going to go to the crosses. And maybe for you, the cross just, you're going to write down whatever represents that grief. And it could be something current. It could be something a long time ago that you walked through. But you're just going to write that out. And, and put it on the cross. And as you do, I'm just praying that the verse that we studied today would become a reality in your life. That you'd be able to say, you know what, I'm blessed because I've ex experienced God's comfort. And he's gonna do that in a way that only he knows that you need. Others of us are gonna come up and receive prayer. There are prayer teams here today. And man, please don't suffer alone. Please don't walk through your grief alone. And maybe it's grief. Maybe it's something else that you're facing. Maybe you've got a loved one that's sick. Maybe you're, you, something is, is burdening you. And I would just ask you, come. Let us pray for you. Let us encourage you. Let us be a part. We're a family here. And you may not know us yet, but, but, but we're a family. And we want to walk with you through your grief. Some are going to receive communion. And again, that's just a reminder that Jesus ultimately paid the, the price for us. His body, his blood shed for us so that we don't have to carry the weight of our sin, so that we don't have to carry the, the bondage that maybe we've been stuck in. We can live in freedom, and that's because of what Jesus did for us. We're going to receive communion. Then some of us are going to just do what David did. We're going to worship. And again, our circumstances haven't changed. The song that we're going to sing together is called Praise Before My Breakthrough. And there's something meaningful about just worshiping, even maybe when you don't feel like. Sometimes we worship because we feel like it, and sometimes we worship until we feel like it. And whether you feel it or you don't, let's just worship him together. Say, God, we worship you. We trust you in the midst of our grief. And so what's God saying to you today?
and let's respond to him together as a church.